How are we today? Eat a rosary down the back. Goodness. Like back seat. Yeah, I tell you. We're out of kilter. It's good. I'm going to pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you. I thank you for Sundays. I thank you for your word. I thank you for your Holy Spirit. And I thank you for the community of the church. And Lord, when those three things come together, like right now, Lord, what a, what a moment in our week. Word of God, the Holy Spirit and each other. I thank you for these gifts, Lord, that guide us, that stir us on and give us life. To Jesus, come and give life to your word this morning. Amen. Well, I'm preaching a message this morning that's had about 50 titles as I've prepared this message, okay? <laughs> so there's a, well, it started out with new generosity and then it changed to the secret of provision and then it probably landed with calling, favour and provision. So you just have to go with this this morning. I'm pretty excited about this message from Philippians 4. The text hasn't changed. But, but as I've kind of prepared it during the week and thinking all these, it's such, it's so hard feel for me, when you're preaching from one of the richest texts around, you know, what, what don't I preach on? It's, it's, so, it's so full, it's so rich, it's so deep, there's so much in there that, um, well, for 30 minutes, what, what, what do you leave out? It's like your favourite child, you know? It doesn't exist, because they're all favourites. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I mean, all, all scriptures, like every time I read something, John, that's my favourite, you know, and that's Philippians, and then it's Isaiah. So I don't know. The Word of God is rich, isn't it? It's just so rich. So I'm going to start with the text and read through that and just explain that, uh, and then let's, let's go in and look at some of the, um, I guess, the, the, the implications and the exciting things that this brings out for us. So let's go, Philippians 4. Verse 10, this is our final uh, section on Philippians. This is the last chapter, the last section of the last chapter. And Paul, writing from a prison cell, probably in Rome, writes this. He says, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but had no opportunity. Let me give you some context. So Paul in his mission, in his journey, had people who would support him financially. They, they would send money to him. Kind of different. We can wire things and internet bank. <laughs> Back then, they literally had to carry the cash right, all the way to different places. And so they would send messengers, Paphroditus or Timothy, and they'd load these guys up with money to, to go and, and bless other people. So they'd, they'd take offerings and things just as we do uh, for different situations. And this time... Paul has received from the Philippian church a gift, a financial gift, because he's, he's battling in a prison cell. Uh, he's self-supporting. Good luck with that in a Roman cell. And so the Philippian church said, let's take up an offering for Paul and let's send Epaphroditus with the money, with the bag to go and visit. And Paul receives this gift and he's so grateful. And he writes back. And says, I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length you've revived your concern for me. I'm glad you're thinking of me. Paul is incredibly human. 
He said, you were indeed concerned for me. I know that. He says, yeah, I know. I know you've always been concerned for me, but, but now you had no opportunity. And then he says, it's not that I'm speaking of being in need. I love this. He says, for I've learned in whatever situation I am to be content. He says, I, I'm not, it's not like I was about to die of starvation. He says, because I've learned this message in life of how to be content. And if ever there was a message that our world needed, it's this, of how to be content in life. Particularly, Paul's talking about finances. He says, I, I have learned the secret. I know how to be brought low financially. I know, I know how to live with not much. And I know how to abound. He says, I've had seasons in my life where I've been plenty of money. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. At this point, you, you're probably leaning in. And you're probably thinking of our world. Our world is full of messages of discontent. Every time you open up your phone or your tablet or your TV screen or you drive past a billboard or something flashes at you, we live in a world of deliberate discontent. I'm talking about advertising. I'm talking about marketing that chases you down. You know, have you ever had the experience, probably have, where you're Googling something? I've been looking at Thailand lately, you know, trying to find out routes and directions and things for our trip. And suddenly, all my media feeds full of Thailand. Do you ever experience that? What? Travel. Maybe, 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 and I can think of this Google algorithms. Okay. This guy wants to travel. So maybe we could sell him a cruise, you know, a, a ticket on a cruise ship or maybe he wants to go here or there or maybe he needs a suitcase, right? So getting all these ads for suitcases. Good luck with that. I like my old one. See, we, we have this era, marketing era, and it's only, it's less than 100 years old, this marketing era of, of promoting and forcing discontent. And, and I, do you ever live in that space? Think, oh, if only I had that, then that would be... I'd, I'd, be, I'd be so happy. Oh, and I see this thing. I, I can click on it in one click right now. And I can buy it. Paul says, I've learned the secret of being content. Do you, do you have that? Are you financially content? I don't mean financially enough. Isn't that the old question? How much do you need? Just a little bit more. Whatever, whatever place in life. I'd, just, I'd be fine if I just had a little bit more. I'd be fine if I just had this thing or that thing or I'd be great if just... But Paul says, no, I've got it. I've got the secret of being content. Do you want to hear it? Gosh, two people want to hear it. I'll whisper it. He says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. That's the secret. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Now, we quote that verse in all kinds of contexts, don't we? You know, I'm, I'm trying to run, you know, 10Ks. I'm thinking, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You know, I'm, trying, I'm trying to swim or I'm doing something new. Have you ever used this verse for yourself? You know, you're starting a new job or 
you're facing a tough day at the office, you know, oh, I can do all things to Christ. And that, that is true, right? But Paul's particularly talking about money in this context. It's, it's money. It's dealing with things. He's saying to the Philippian church, he says, I love your gifts. I'm so grateful because it shows me your heart. But actually, it, it doesn't matter. Because I've learned the secret of being content. He says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. I don't, I don't actually need anything from anyone to be content. Man, do you want to go there? That's, that is a place of pure contentment. It's not saying that you have everything you'd ever want. But it's also saying that if you do have everything you ever want, that your contentment isn't based in those things. It's based in the fact that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Because actually having, apparently, apparently having a lot of money is also stressful. They tell me. I love this. You see Paul's heart for his friends. You see his view on money, finances. You see the journey he's walked with. And if you've read anything of his journey, poor boy. <laughs> you think your life has challenges. You've been shipwrecked lately. You've been jailed or flogged. Challenge after challenge. He says, I can do all things. It actually means in him, because of him, because I'm wrapped up in him who strengthens me. But enough of the lesson. He goes on. He says, yeah, it was kind of you to share my trouble. He says, thank you. That's so kind. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving, except you only. So right from Acts 16, you can track this through, and you can see it again in 2 Corinthians 9.8. Paul writes, he boasts about this church as a giving church. He boasts about the Macedonian churches, which is Philippi is part of that. He says, like, I'm so grateful because, because you've been supporting me all this way in partnership. As Paul has the call to go, into places, people partnered with him in that call to join him in that mission, to take and plant churches. That's what he did. Now, he also provided for himself. So he's a, he was a tent maker by trade, and so he actually worked in business. Um, and you can see that clearly in some other scriptures. But tough to make tents and run a business in a Roman jail. So there are contexts and times when he definitely is in need and can't run his business. He says, even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. He says, not, not that I seek the gift. Again, he's, he's walking in this line between, I'm so thankful, but it's not that I receive, not that I seek the gift. Watch this in verse 17. Not that I seek the gift. I'm not asking for more. But I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. What? He's saying, I'm so thankful that you're giving, and I, and I really love it that you give, not, not because of my needs, because I'm content. Actually, I love it that you give, because when you give, there's an increase to your account. How does that work? He says, I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. It's a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. 
It's those gifts are like offerings in the Old Testament that Brad was talking about just then. A fragrant offering. Back in the old times, they'd burn all kinds of things. And God would smell this. Noah gets off the ark. Genesis 8. Sacrifices. Imagine sacrificing something you've carried in the ark. Sacrifices. And It says God smelled the soothing aroma and then sent the rainbow after that. A promise. Acts 10, Cornelius. His prayers, says it goes up to God like a soothing aroma. His gifts, his gift giving actually becomes like a sacrifice to God. And God goes, yeah. It's, a, it's an aroma to God. That's, that's what your giving is like, Paul's saying. It's, it's like this acceptable offering, and it says it's pleasing to God. God likes your giving. Not because God needs it. Not because Paul needs it. In our context, not because the church needs it. We've learned the secret of being content a long time ago. Because he says, I love it because I seek the fruit that increases to your credit, to your account. I want to tell you a story that is precious to me and to our family. And this is why I wrestled with the title because it's all about call and sacrifice and giving and provision, and how those things wrap up so, so well. Because this verse, verse 17, verse 18, spoke to me personally. Now, in this church, we wholeheartedly believe that you should be reading through the Scriptures book by book, not pick and flick. Even the sparrow finds a home. Yeah, you know, you know what I mean. But reading, reading a whole chunks scriptures properly, getting the context, understanding. That's that's the that's the evangelical way to read the text. It's good. Also, not either. Also, the word of God is living and active. It's alive. Hebrews says it. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. You can be reading your regular pattern. This is what I do. I read through the scriptures again and again and again. And as I read my normal context, God speaks specifically through particular verses. Ever had that? Some people might call it a rhema word of God or something, but but it's it's a living word. It's like it jumps out to your context. So it's it's not just applying scriptures, you know, this is what they did, therefore we should do that. That's kind of dull. It's good, but that's just applied religion. Are you with me? Like we can take the principles of the Bible that are there and apply it to our life and think, oh, I'm a good person or whatever. But, but actually the Bible is way more than that. It's the living Word of God. So when you read it, the Holy Spirit brings to life this, not just for the sake of truth, but for your sake. He speaks to us. He communicates to us. Have you ever experienced that? It's just, it's, it's alive. It makes me want to read the Bible more and more because God meets me in the Scriptures that's the context. 2006, 16 years ago, when I was 12, 
Ro and I had spent five years in Sydney. Previous to that, we were living in Thailand. We we'd had an amazing time there, tough time. Got back, God said, go to Sydney for five years. We did. Got oh, three kids in the process. So we, we had this kind of pretty intense time. I was working, I was teaching, high school teaching out in the western suburbs. Uh, Ro was pretty much looking after the kids, babies uh, living in, in Epping in, in Sydney. Part of a church, and, and increasingly through that, God had, had put in our heart this call to start a church. We we're thinking Bangkok or you know, Chiang Rai or something, because that's where our heart was. God started to turn that to country New South Wales. And, and eventually, you know, we, we just landed on this. We just couldn't shake this idea come and start a church in Bathurst. I'm from Bathurst, most of you know that. Uh, so to come home, had mixed feelings, challenges, etc. But we really felt that God saying, Come. Come, we managed to convince a whole lot of people in Sydney to let us go, start a church in C3. That's all fine, except crunch time comes. It's about September, and we want to move. Jake's starting school, kindergarten, right, our eldest. We want to move before then. We feel like now's the time to start the church. So I've got big decisions to make. I've got to quit my job in Sydney with no guarantee of a job here. We've got to move, we've got to find somewhere and somehow start a church. So it's not an insignificant time in my life. Pressure, lots of doubt. Have I got what it takes? Really? You know, <laughs> I read, you'd laugh if you ever read this. This is my diary from that time. Pages and pages of thoughts Doubts, insecurities, faith, the mix, the works. So I'm walking through. And, and here's, here's the other deal. We need a house. I was reading church planning handbooks, right, how to start a church. One piece of advice I said was when you move to your city, this American, buy a house and a burial plot, like a gravesite which says to the community, I'm here. I'm not just here if it kind of works out or whatever. No, I'm, I'm, I've moved my family, I've invested, I've bought a house. And so we're thinking, right, let's buy a house. Now you've got to understand we had no money. We've been missionaries. We're just scraping through with one income in Sydney while the kids are growing up on, on a teacher's wage. And we, we're kind of, we're okay, but we're not. It's not like we bought a house in Sydney and it's just come out. So Lord, I need a house. So we start praying. I start looking on the, on the internet. You know, they had it back then, believe me, the interweb, the kids call it. Rose starts looking. Now, I, I'm practical. I'm cheap. I start looking for things that I think I can afford. You know, just, just get me a fibro house somewhere. That's okay. Just, we'll just start, start small. All good. We'll just move here. We'll buy a house. I'm thinking what's possible naturally, okay? even though I don't have a job at this stage. Ro, on the other hand, God bless her, is thinking beauty, space, church, barbecues, hospitality, you know, the things that I should have been thinking about. She stumbled across this picture, praise God, on the internet. That's the actual picture that was advertising this house. And she tells me that it actually took her a while to show it to me because she was afraid. It was kind of double what I was going to spend. 
she eventually showed it to me. And I said, no, we can't afford that. No way. No way. But, of course, being the good husband, I said, well, let's, let me pray about it. <laughs> I started praying. And I started getting a sense that this was the house that we should buy. That's when this scripture came out. 16 years ago, I'm walking through, recorded in here. I'm walking through, I used to walk, bushwalk through Epping, got lots of bush around, morning prayer walk. I'd go out, backpack, put my Bible in, my notepad, and off I go. I was sitting on this rock, praying, reading, just my normal, regular morning routine. And I'm reading Philippians 4. And God says to me, I'm reading it, you know, not that I seek the gift, I seek the gift. And my God will supply every need of yours. I go, thank you, God, every need. Thank you, God. And then he said to me, he said, look up a verse. Look at verse 18. I said, what's verse 18? God says, I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied. Having received from you the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice, Acceptable and pleasing to me. And I'll supply every need of yours. Do you know what he said to me then? He said, I, I've, I've noticed your giving. I've received sacrifices over the years. And it's like, there's stuff to draw on here. In the kingdom economy. There is, there is resource here that you can pull down because... Because systematically tithes and offerings. And it challenged my theology because you know, I, I don't keep records of this stuff. I just, you know, don't let the left hand know what the right hand is doing. I just give, right? <laughs> systematically, consistently. But God said, actually, there's, there's, a, there's an amount to draw in here. And then he said to me, taste and see, Psalm 34, taste and see that the Lord is good. And I go back and I said, bro, let's drive to Bathurst. Let's have a look at this house. Let's just see if something miraculous can happen here. So I think it was the weekend later, we drove to Bathurst from Sydney and we had the three, I don't even know you were there. Ben wasn't born yet. Bro, <laughs> basketball. The other two. We pull up, kids have no idea what we're doing. We pull up the start, the front of our house, brick driveway. Sam in the back, he's three, hasn't spoken a lot, hearing issues and stuff as a little boy. Crystal clear, he prophesies, three-year-old. He says, Jesus says, this is your house. I go, what? What did that boy just say? It's the, it's the longest sentence he's ever spoken. Jesus said, this is your house. Okay, let's go and have a look. Knock on the door, walk through the house. Feel in love, of course. Light. I love light. I love beauty. I love colour. And of course, Roe loves trees, gardens, and all that. And the sense of the Spirit of God in that place was amazing. We learned later on that uh, for 20 years, a lady, a, a real prayer warrior in the Anglican Church, lived there beforehand. And just, uh, Anne Martin, her name was, uh, prayed and prayed and prayed. What, what, I'm, what I'm showing you is call provision, sacrifice, 
all mingling together. And then we had the wrestle. Well, how then do we ever afford this thing? Um, I don't actually have an income. I don't, we don't have any savings. And, and bit by bit, as we prayed it through, a little gift from someone that, that helped us with our deposit, and, and somehow, pre-GFC, we, we got a loan, and uh, we bit off a bullet and said, let's, let's do this. And, and to actually move into this place on the first so the 21st of December 2006 was an incredible celebration and some tough years that followed. I think every year we'd say, hey, we're still here. <laughs> we're still in this house somehow. And we've had a chance to do things since. You know, I, I want to share that story because something happens when you step out and believe God on the basis of trust and faith and call. In, the, in that whatever God is calling you into, he will provide. That was Paul's journey. As he stepped out and planted churches and went through crazy scenes, God would always provide for him. Always through the Macedonian, the Philippian churches. There'd always be provision there for, through his own business, his own tent-making business. He'd learned the secret, though, of being content. And recognizing that there were times, there are seasons in life where it's just hard. And you, if you've lived any time at all on the planet, there are, there are months, weeks, years, decades like that, aren't there? Of just grunting through provision, but believing God for the rest. I was going to show you that next picture. Sorry, Dion. There you go. 21st of December 2006. That's what our little family was like day of celebration, day of party because of what the Lord has done, because of his provision. And that's why in verse 20 it says, to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. To God be the glory. So I have some questions for you. Four questions as we finish. Have you learned the secret of being content? Are you content with your financial state? It doesn't mean you shouldn't plan for the future. It doesn't mean we get all ascetic and give away everything. We've got to live in our world. It's, it's okay. But are you content? Have you learned the secret of contentment, even if you don't have much or men, because our life is not wrapped around our provisions? It's not about where or what we live. See, Paul says, I've learned in whatever situation I am to be content. Are you content in your workplace? Are you content in your family, relationships, your town? It doesn't mean that God doesn't call you to different spaces. For sure. But it starts with contentment. Because our contentment is not grounded in the things of this world. Are you content? Have you learned that secret yet? Second question. Where does your financial strength lie? Where do you turn to? <laughs> I have a good friend who lives in Sydney. He owns his own house. Good job, two good jobs. Owns his cars. 
He's forever fretting about money. I think, hey, mate, have you ever stopped to take track of where you actually are in life in your early 40s? Do I have enough superannuation? How would I, what happens if? How would I, like, people live with anxiety around finances. And I said to him, I said, I know this sounds weird, but I don't actually think much about my finances because like, someone else has got that under control. My God will supply all my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And, and you know that gives me the ability to live soundly, to sleep at night. Like God has my back financially. I don't have to worry. I don't have to stress. Sure, make wise decisions. For sure, plan for the future. But, but at the end of the day, my, my life is not wrapped around my finances and my possessions. And at the end of the day, he is the one who provides my needs. Who, who provides your needs? Is it your employer? Is it your family? I'd like to suggest you twist that around. God is your provider. And he uses your employer or your business. And he uses family when you're little and stuff. But if you've got financial strength in your provider, I tell you that makes a difference to, to the way you view the world. It takes away the stress. Interest rate rises, inflation next year, the fiscal cliff, oil prices rising, petrol prices. Are you, are you scared? No. I can do all things that Christ strengthens me. But half the world is panicking because everything's going up. Let's be wise, but let's not panic. See, I've got something inside of me that's way more significant than $2.35 for diesel, <laughs> which is a lot, by the way. Number three, do you take giving seriously? Do you, have you developed a storehouse in heaven like Malachi talks about? Verse 18 says, I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied. Does God say that about you? I have received full payment. I am well supplied. I have received from you the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. Is, is your sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God? And we teach tithing. We teach 10%. We teach giving and Christmas and we're always giving stuff. Because the reason is giving gets us off ourselves and onto other people and onto God. It's, it's the richest thing. I, every now and then I look at the amount I give. I go, oh my goodness. Hit the button. But mostly, I love it. Yeah. It's just the greatest thing. And it just fuels confidence in God. And lastly, are you confident in God's ongoing provision into the future? And my God will supply. See that? My God will supply every need of yours. My God, maybe he'll supply it or maybe he won't. My God might supply it if he's in a good mood. My, my God will supply Every need of yours, according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Are you confident in his ongoing provision in your life, whatever stage? Because you know, I haven't experienced superannuation and retirement and the pressure of that. 
But I tell you, I'm 50. I testify between <laughs> zero and 50. God has provided everything I need. And I bet if you talk to people who are on the positive side of 50 in this room, you will find it's the same story. God provides. So let's get confident in his provision. It, it, it gets us bold. I'm not tied down by the finances of the decision. No, I, don't, I don't make decisions by the finances or how much it costs or doesn't cost. Let's make decisions around what we need. And if that costs more than we think we need, let's just do it. <laughs> and all those little decisions, I can't afford that. Well, make the decision not based on what you can afford, but based on what God's calling you into. Let call govern the provision. Right? Is, is provision for the vision. Whatever God's calling you to, He will provide that. So step out in confidence. Not bound by what you do or don't have. I love this. And I love, I love Paul's heart in giving and blessing. And if you can catch just a little bit of this, and hopefully our, our miracle story of where we live can help you along the way, you will find life rich and confident and full and gives you heart. I love you to pray. We're going to just have a little time of prayer. Why don't you stand? I want to take a moment in the presence of God. And then we're going to end with a song that just declares that it's God who takes our battle. Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, just, just in the presence of God. I know it's funny to talk about, but God, God does notice you're giving. He does. He watched the people in the temple giving various amounts, some big, some small. He smells the soothing aroma of your giving. And, and it creates favour over your world. It just does. That's not why we give. We give because we love Jesus. But one aspect of that is that it certainly does, as this scripture talks about, it increases favour so that God will supply every need of yours as you walk in His call. So what do you need right now? If you're a family, you need a house. It's simple. Do you need it? What, what practical things do you need to fulfill the current future call of God in your life? And what are the things that you feel like, I can never attain to that because I don't have enough. But if God's calling you into it, it's a whole different story. The whole financial equation is different. I'm going to ask you right now, in the presence of God, to raise your hand in a sec. If you need some kind of financial breakthrough that's consistent with the call of God in your life, I want to pray just where you're standing. I want to pray for you and believe together for a miracle. God is able. My God, will supply every need of yours according to His riches in glory 
Christ Jesus. Raise your hand if you need some kind of financial breakthrough. Houses, jobs, cars, situation like that. Raise your hand. I want to pray. It's a number. Jesus, right now, every hand raised, I'm praying for your provision to accelerate, to quicken to their world. Whatever they need, whatever they're facing, whatever they're staring down, Lord Jesus, give them the faith that they need, the faith that they need to see something happen. Help them to take wise yet faith-filled steps towards that thing. She's confident in your provision, confident in your acceleration, confident that you have a plan for that. Jesus, open doors for them. Open doors. Doors, miraculous. Doors of faith. Lord, get, get us off our complacency of, of giving and contentment with, with the opportunity of what you've got in front of us, Lord Jesus. Don't let our lack stop our call. Lord, whatever we're being pulled into, praying for the provision of God. Thank you. Pray your blessing. Stir us to faith in our giving world. Stir us to faith in blessing other people. Stir us to faith in contentment. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Stir us to great confidence. And I just thank you for not just this passage, but the whole Philippian book and all that you've shown us in this season.